if we get to a point in the future where people don't even know that what they're working on is blockchain, I think there's an opportunity to change the structure of the contracts within a construction project by helping clients manage more direct contracts. But I think if we can move away from the adversarial contracting model and move towards an integrated project model, it makes a lot more sense. If everyone can work together in that way, then you're increasing the opportunities for innovation as well. Because if someone comes up with a bright idea today under the current structure and it doesn't work, then they'll get hammered for it. The way forward is more transparency, and I think that transparency can totally be provided by the blockchain. Hello, I'm Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this is The Constructor Podcast. Episode number 45. Hello, and welcome to The Constructor Podcast, the best way to build it. This podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships, help you understand how to lower risk, be under budget and on schedule, and most importantly, exceed your end user's desires. First, I want to let you know about my talk last week with Paul Doherty. Paul and I discuss maturing technologies that are the building blocks of smart cities. We talk about how these technologies are being implemented in cities around the world. I also want to say congratulations to Paul for getting the contract to design, build, and operate the world's first virtual reality theme park. So check it out if you missed the episode last week at constructor.com slash EP44. So today is the second episode of a five-part series where I interview guests about the use of blockchain in construction. Paul was the first in this series, and today's guest, Dave Hughes, is the second. He is a construction professional who is interested in unlocking the productivity issues in the AEC industry and sees blockchain as a major piece of the puzzle in doing that. He's interested in finding new ways to leverage technology within the industry. We specifically talk about utilizing blockchain in an integrated project delivery model, blockchain integration with BIM and IoT, Internet of Things, and the potential use of blockchain with integrated insurance. So let's get into the interview. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the Constructor Podcast. Hi there. Thanks for, thanks for having me. You are a construction professional who's interested in unlocking the productivity issues in the industry, and we know that we have plenty of those. <laughs> uh, but you see, you see blockchain as a major piece of the puzzle. But before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what your purpose to affect this world and how that connects to what you're doing now? First, I'm primarily a construction consultant interested in the blockchain that's sort of how i should should phrase this so uh yeah as we get into it if there's any full-on blockchain techies out there and i uh, and i make mistakes then let me know i'm i'm more than happy to learn more but yeah so what 17 years experience um i started off as a, a quantity surveyor which in america is mostly called a cost manager i think and then um sort of moved into into project management probably with a specialism in, in higher education over the last sort of six years or so. And then I got a bit interested in the potential for networks within the construction industry and how that might sort of lower the transaction costs that we have because obviously the industry is so fragmented, I should say. And if everybody could somehow get on the same page, to me that felt like a, a good thing to do. And then it wasn't until November last year that I sort of discovered the blockchain. I'd heard of it, and I but I didn't know what it was, and it seemed though as though it had 
real potential to get everybody onto the same page as far as how we could work together on a construction project visualize that that project as a as a factory whose one goal is to produce this building but we're all working together in a team so we're sort of a, a company together for this one project and and that's when i started doing a lot more research about blockchain and understanding how it could potentially facilitate that You've taken your experience with project management and all the steps along the way with wanting to improve. The utilization of blockchain really got you fired up, it sounds like. So let's talk about smart contracts. What are they and how are they built on the blockchain? Let's just to sort of go what the blockchain is and then that leads in sure. pretty much what smart contracts is. So the blockchain is a shared ledger of transactions. So that's just an exchange of value. So the most famous blockchain, if you like, is Bitcoin. So a smart contract on the Bitcoin blockchain is that exchange of Bitcoin. So Sally agrees with John that she's going to purchase these goods at this price. And then the smart contract executes when they both agree that those goods can be transferred. That's a smart contract. So it's, it's this if-then scenario. And where I got quite interested in the idea of smart contracts and how they relate to construction is this concept of it's a record of a transfer of value. So, for example, but what you can do on, the, on using smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain is you can record, say, an approval. So, using a construction example, you can record that if the painter has carried out this piece of work, then they can request that it is inspected. It would be one smart contract, and then the person who's tasked with inspecting it could come inspect it and say this work is completed, it will just record that that happened, which is a bit of a step forward than some of the situations you find yourself in now where uh, no one can sort of say who approved what and how things were approved in, on a construction project. It can clean all of that up. But a smart contract in itself is just a computer program. If it's carried out on the blockchain, it means it's stored on the blockchain. So that's it, a shared ledger across thousands of computers across the world. No one can tamper with it because the only way you can change that transaction the details around it would actually be to somehow change all of these records on all of these computers around the world it's um extremely secure as well i think that gives us a, a clearer understanding of what a smart contract is and how it can be validated once the transaction or once the work is actually done and basically the validation of the work and then the payment and like how it's all documented very cleanly and that no one can tamper with it. So that's really helpful. Could you tell us a little bit about the process of establishing a smart contract? What does that look like? If we get to a point in the future where people don't even know that what they're working on is blockchain. So there's just a, a platform that people are working on for a construction project because actually smart contracts are just computer programs. It's just that the decisions that get executed on them are stored on the blockchain. So say there's a request for information that comes from the main contractor to the design team, and there's contractually, in the real world contract, not a smart contract, like the, the building contract, contractually in there there's a period of time that a response is required, say it's two weeks. So you could start a series of smart contracts that say, or that record that, that RFI was, was issued on this date. Now, you could argue that the, the common data environment or whatever the, the system is that you're using records that date or the email has that date on it or, or whatever, but 
it's still ambiguous to some degree because someone owns that account with that centralized point. So if you were going to use the blockchain for that, you could call that date and then you could call the, the date of the response and then the date of the approval. And then if there was a dispute about any of that process later on, it would be really easy to look back on and, and check out and sort of understand who did what exactly when. It sounds like it's not just obviously for a monetary transaction for work that's being done. I think when you understand that aspect of the blockchain where you can just transfer information and almost just do that correspondence of, you know, utilizing the blockchain to respond to an RFI request for information and validate that approval and make sure all the people have reviewed it that need to be involved in that process. I think that really opens up a new world of possibilities because it's not a simple sort of one-to-one, you know, back and forth, like how a typical transaction might be looked upon. That being said, you talked about a, a combination of smart contracts and let's talk a little bit about what I understand you call it like the decentralized autonomous organization or DAO let's talk about how information can be transferred and then how that integrates into that combined smart contract network if you consider that a building project in itself is just a whole lot of decisions that are put together if you think about the the data that starts to be produced at the start of a building contract it, it all starts with a with a question of or, or a statement from a client that says i need a building and then there's a question what kind of building from there it just kind of develops as like i need a, a residential development you know how many units 30 it just grows right so if you thinking about how you could combine a whole lot of these questions together in a way that allowed you to store it, you can start to see how you could almost have a self-executing organization that is actually the building, <laughs> which sounds pretty freaky, I suppose, in some respects. But if you use an example of, say, you got through the construction period and, and you actually built the thing, the building itself could actually manage itself. If you had a building that had its own tokenized currency or it was able to execute sort of direct debits to your bank card and you had say 30 people that lived in this apartment block and then there's usually just a standard maintenance cost for example for all the common areas so if a light bulb went out that light bulb might be on the internet of things and could actually say i'm out and call someone to come and change the light bulb when the light bulb says i'm out it implements a smart contract or a series of smart contracts to say, I'm out, call someone out to change the light bulb, and then that person can confirm that the light bulb's been changed, then the building supervisor can come and confirm that he agrees, and then the person that changed the light bulb gets paid. And then that payment can actually be distributed evenly across all of the tenants in the apartment block to pay their portion of that. So they're not paying a monthly fee, they're just paying the portion of that very specific piece of, of maintenance that was required. But you could go further and you could say, well, actually, we'll just pay all of the rents through a decentralized autonomous organization. There's actually a company called Slocket who do locks that are connected to the Internet of Things, the lock itself, and they're connected to the blockchain. And if you don't pay your rent, your key doesn't work. And there's a similar example that I've read about where uh, if you rent a car and you have that car for too long, so you have you, you rented it for seven days and you still have it after eight, and you go to unlock the car, the company has locked you out of it. But you can, can go onto their app 
and pay for the extra day, and then the car will open. This is sort of a side thing. <laughs> people, people accept that much more from a computer. If it's the case of computer says no, that's okay. But if you ring up the car rental company and say, you've locked me out of the car, that's more likely an argument will ensue. Apparently, as human beings, we're much more comfortable that the computer has just executed the program, and you kind of understand that intuitively. You're like, well, it's a machine. I, it, I can't argue with a machine. I'll have to just pay my rent or pay my extra day. It takes the people aspect out of some of the transactions, whether they just be verbal. It really ties you to something that's very logical and truth-focused. Say you have 24 hours for, let's use the car scenario, for instance, and your 24 hours ended at a time where you didn't anticipate for it to conclude, and now you have to pay a couple hours additional for that car rental. The question I have is, you know, a lot of times those things can be negotiated, right? Can be talked through, or you could easily extend it. Like, say you could easily extend it on the app. I feel like there would have to be that flexibility in the technology for you to at least have some sort of negotiation with you that you would typically have with a person. <laughs> There'd have to be some sort of happy medium. There could be extenuating circumstances in so much as maybe you are injured and you couldn't drive the car. Like you had to go to the hospital and you were sick and you'd just been released from the hospital. There should always be some way of escalating it above the computer. But if it's just a number to call and just say, I've just got this car for an extra day, that's an administrative cost that you've got. Instead of 100 people in a call centre, you've got 10 because they're only dealing with the extenuating circumstances, the by exceptions, right? Going back to the residential scenario, if you are talking with a management company and, and there is some sort of extenuating circumstance, similar to what you've described, like say somebody's in the hospital for months on end and they haven't been able to communicate with their management organization or their landlord, and there has to be some sort of backup of documentation that's associated with the agreement, right? There's there's an agreement in place on every step of the blockchain. And and that's where the, the decentralized autonomous organization like will take on that, I guess, legal documentation. Understanding where we could go at this point, the contractual obligations could be mapped onto the blockchain. I think there's an opportunity to change the structure of the contracts within a construction project by helping clients manage more direct contracts. If you consider how we do it now, there's a client who employs a design team and typically they will have a, a contract with each of those consultancies to work together to design the building. But when they go to on-site, they employ a general contractor, a main contractor, to manage all the subcontracts and actually manage all of the suppliers as well of all of the material that the client requires to build the building that they want. So I think there's an opportunity to make all that transparent, to change the structure so that the site manager and the contracts manager um, are actually, they're a service provider in the same way that the design team are. So that's all direct contracts then with the client and the subcontractors. But you, you could actually go further, I think, and this would help try and get clients closer to the suppliers. When you consider that a client is effectively, a client is buying a piece of mechanical plant through at least two other agents, but in some cases three. So if you consider that they pay, whatever, $50,000 for a big piece of mechanical kit for air conditioning, say, well, the first person that actually buys that is the subcontractor, 
and they'll put a percentage markup on that. And then the main contractor will also put a percentage markup on that. And then the percentage markup on top of that for the construction costs as well. So the client's picking up costs all the way through when actually all he's paying for is the transfer of risk. So if the client could actually have a contract direct with the supplier, the manufacturer of the the kit, he understands much more what he's paid for. And then you could use the blockchain to transfer the risk. There'd be a cost associated with that. It's almost like insurance. But initially the payment would go to the manufacturer and they would hold all the risk on the, um, the piece of kit not being damaged. But once it was delivered to site and taken by the subcontractor, then they would take some allocation of that risk. And then once it was approved that it had been installed correctly, then the main contractor would take some allocation of that risk. And then at handover, the client would take the risk. Take it a step further and boom, now you can, if the model is good and the designers have done a good job on the model, a cost manager can take that model and produce a bill of quantities. So the full list of materials all listed out with precise figures next to them, right? So it used to be that the bill of quants or the schedule of values had ambiguity in it because a guy did it with a ruler, put his ruler across some drawings and by the time you finished you could be out by whatever percentage, I don't know, it could be 10% say, which, or maybe it's only 5%, but that's still 5% on something that might cost a fair bit of money if it's a drywall, plasterboard in my speak. But once we've got a good BIM model and the BIM model spits out that there's 552 square metres of, of plasterboard, well there's no disputing that, that is just what it is. So then the client could actually quite confidently purchase that, plus an extra, say, 10% for wastage, and then again do the same process of passing on along the risk. And by doing all this, it just becomes way more transparent about what we're really doing, which is the client is buying all of this material, all of this plant, and all of this labor to put it all together and, and build this building, this product that they want. Now... I'm not suggesting either that someone needs to sit there and, and look through all these figures and stuff like that, but I would suggest that someone is tasked with spot checking or whatever and, and just intuitively knowing that it is there, for me, I think that just helps that clean up the process. And then again, like if you've got this um, you know, contractor as a service type scenario where they're not working for a, a percentage markup on if any changes that occur to the design, they're just working for a, a fee for their input on the design in the same way that an architect or an engineer does. I think they're much more incentivized then to work for the client. Everyone helps solve the problem if there is one that comes up on site to come up with the best solution for the client. And let's talk about that as it relates to BIM, actually. I'm just kind of thinking through uh, having your contractor on board way early on the process within the design. I think that could focus on really achieving what the client wants to, you know, where their goals are, right? So I think that's where an integrated project contract comes into play because blockchain's not going to be the panacea that's going to answer all questions about how we kind of help increase productivity in construction. It's going to be, it needs to be a combination of things. But I think if we can move away from the adversarial contracting model and move towards um, an integrated project model, it makes a lot more sense. So an integrated project model requires that there is a um, or the one that I am familiar with anyway, requires that there's a, like a project bank account. There's a group of organizations that are part of Project Alliance, and they're effectively a company that is set up the sole purpose of building this building for this client. But with, with a project bank account, there's the transparency about how those payments are done. So you could replace the project bank account with a shared ledger on the blockchain and a much more robust 
procedure for payments and a much more simpler process. So then, when you're working on an issue on design, and in the first instance, that issue should hopefully come up when you're doing it within the model. Everybody can come around the table without worrying about their organization's insurance policies because they're all covered within this integrated project environment and they can all unencumbered by that work on the problem together and not worry so much about who comes up with the solution and if it's a bit of an innovative solution not worry that might not work and if it doesn't quite work how it's planned everybody understands that and as a group can accept the risk on that and move forward and then they'll be all be aware of it and all be incentivized to help make sure it does work when it comes to site. And if it does require some more tweaking or whatever on site, they can all work on that together because they're all working for the same pain gain share of the value of the construction project. So everyone's on the same page of, of trying to solve this problem the best they can because better for them financially if they do. So if everyone can work together in that way, then you're increasing the opportunities for innovation as well. Because if someone comes up with a bright idea today under the current structure, and it doesn't work, then they'll get hammered for it. Yeah, absolutely. We had in mind to talk a little bit about insurance, and I think that's a great example. You shared about utilizing the integrated agreements. I'm pretty passionate about that. I've had a couple people on talking about the different integrated agreements and utilization of lean methodologies within that. Pairing the two really helps just kind of build that culture that makes a lot of sense to achieve the goals of the project, whatever they may be. I think establishing them very early on is going to be key. And, and I think just this element of throwing blockchain in and, and making everything that much more transparent is going to be huge. But let's talk a little bit about integrated project insurance. We know that we're over-insured for projects, at least most of the time, because every layer has basically, they are responsible for a certain amount. And how would integrated project insurance work? So integrated project insurance is a, it's a UK initiative. I met the guy that invented it and the director from insurance company called Griffin and Armour who provide it. It's an insurance policy. It basically wraps a bubble around the entire building project. It is the insurance that I was sort of describing that if someone wants to innovate, then and it goes wrong. So say the structural engineer is like, I'm pretty sure this will work, and the mechanical engineer and the architect all kind of agree that because it impacts on some of the stuff that they're doing. Between the three of them think, yeah, this is going to be a way better result, and yes, it's a bit risky because of these reasons, but we understand the risk, and we still recommend to the team that we proceed on this basis. In today's world, if that occurred, and, and if it didn't work, say there was a, you know, whatever, 5% chance of it not working, and that came to be and the costs associated with that not working were £100,000, dollars, whatever, um, then today, or in a normal contract, the client might sue the structural engineer, and he might sue the architect as the lead designer, and he might sue the mechanical engineer just because he might have a go, he might have a better design liability insurance than, than the other guys. And that would go into arbitration and whatever process would be required. So... If you're inside IPI, inside the Integrated Project Insurance, that 100000 if it's a legitimate mistake and it is insurable, it just gets paid by the project insurance. No one organization is sued. The project insurance will cover that. IPI have 
representatives that come in as part of the project team that help to keep track of all these things and audit it. And I've tried and I'll continue to try and talk to the guys at, at um, Integrated Project Insurance about how I think blockchain can help them because as soon as you say audit, I think there's an opportunity for blockchain to be implemented in some way to help lower the administrative costs of that audit. And then I suppose as well, it, it kind of bleeds in the block, combining blockchain with BIM. And there's a company here in Hull called BIMSense and they're looking at data provenance. So who put the data into the BIM model? In the UK, at the moment, the country, if you like, is all supposed to be trying to work towards, certainly for public sector, we're supposed to be working towards something called BIM Level 2. And broadly speaking, BIM Level 2, what that means is all of the design consultants work on their own model. And every two weeks, they bring their models together and just coordinate them, basically, and check to make sure that they all work and things like that. But when we move to BIM Level 3, the idea is that there'll be a hosted model and everybody will work on the same model. So then it becomes really important to understand who did what to that model and how you record that and how you record it securely will become much more important. It's going to be a long time before people realise that probably something like integrated project insurance is a better way of building their buildings. So if we continue with the adversarial approach, the perspective of disputes about who did what, if you're all working on one model, having that real clear record of who did what will help clean up the dispute side of things if and when they occur. I'm just kind of thinking through how BIM data is tracked within a model right now. And, and I'm not a designer. I haven't designed a whole lot since since college. But from what I understand about how it works, BIM is pretty much a, a kit of parts at this point. You can pull any material, any fixture, any whatever it might be. You can pull it from a database. Now, if you're able to tag whatever identifier of that person who's actually putting it into the model, I can see how that would work. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Thinking through how that integrated approach would work when everybody's in the room and contributing verbally or on a call or, or things of that nature, and how that would be looked upon. How would that be viewed when it's everyone now that's responsible for the entire design I guess it's a transition of culture, right? It's getting outside of the blame culture really is what it is. It's, it's taking that collective approach and saying, okay, even if I'm the one literally putting the design in place in the model and all the information associated with it is attached to my unique identifier solution for the owner's benefit. It's really having that shift take place when right now it's very much a finger pointing approach to things. Well, in the integrated project insurance side of things, yeah, everyone's responsible because there'll be someone around the table that's the expert, right? So I should introduce you to the guys at integrated project insurance and you could see if they'd be keen to have a chat with you because they can talk through all that way better than I'll be able to. But um, I do know that they did a trial recently and I think the trial's just completed. They're doing their second project shortly. But before the trial, they actually ran like a day-long workshop with a whole lot of potential contractors and consultants and did all this role-playing and things like that to see who would be best suited to a collaborative environment, like a true collaborative environment. And they were selected on that basis. No, yeah, I'd love to, to speak with them. Always happy to take recommendations on, on who to re reach out to next. The last thing that we really didn't touch on is Internet of Things. How does blockchain become even more powerful when that's uh, tapped into? It all comes back to these smart contracts. If this happens, then that happens, right? So 
there's a few applications where blockchains being used in conjunction with the Internet of Things and which would be easily sort of switched into a construction setting. But the probably the easiest one is the retina scanning for security. So if you had one of those at a the entrance to a construction site, yes, so-and-so's arrived and retina scan on the way out, so-and-so's left, he's done his eight hours today and then they are paid, for example. So rather than having have someone sort of busily write up all these timesheets and then issue them for... Because a lot of the timesheets are still handwritten from the subcontractors. They get handed into the contractor to say, yeah, so-and-so was here from these times to that time and he did X, Y, and Z work. Well, that administrative load would, could be just gone because it just be, could be printed off and then they'd still have to describe what work they were doing. But that's easier because it, it would need to be inspected to be verified that it had actually been completed anyway. So... So you could just say, we had this many operatives on site for this amount of time and we've done this work and it lines up. And then there's opportunities for, I think it's the airline industry, they have smart tools that check the the amount of torque on bolts to make sure that they're tightened to the correct degree and not over-tightened or under-tightened. So uh, how important that is, obviously, from a health and safety perspective, because it's the airline industry, um, and how regulated they are, uh, that an immutable record of the fact that all of the bolts on this particular plane have been tightened to the correct or get into the construction industry. If you like connected in, say, concrete strength testing, that would be one that I could see being something that would be important enough that having it stored on blockchain. The opportunity for, for smart tools could be quite interesting as well. If you could have a, um, a smart paintbrush that knew how much it had been sort of moved up and down and you could start comparing the movement to how much paint's actually been applied to the wall you're kind of getting into the the realm of, of wearables, but inside construction tools. And then finally, there's some of this mechanical electrical plant now actually can basically log on to the internet to confirm that it has been installed correctly. So all of this data is getting produced and where it's being recorded, that's probably getting recorded in a centralized place by the manufacturer of, say, the boiler. If that became a more decentralized data source, opens up this this sort of transparency about uh, what the building is doing and how it's operating and I think that can only lead to a better result for clients if they have more information. I mean obviously they've got to work out what's important information and crunch through it. That's something simple that can be transferred over into the facilities management realm when you're looking to service any particular equipment. Having the information backed up it's so what the steps were that it went through where the natural resources were coming from, how it actually got manufactured in the plant, the transportation associated with it. And we'll talk a little bit about this in a, another episode, but those little details can obviously be tracked. But I, I do like your your thought process about pulling from some of the other industries that are not specific to construction right now, like the airlines with the torque on the bolts and then the retinal scanning I think those are a little bit even outside of what we're typically used to to managing or or tracking. I mean, even the paintbrush. I think those are <laughs> those are great. There's great growth opportunity in this area when it comes to inventions um, of tracking certain things, whether it be weight or viscosity of particular substance and concrete. We do concrete testing. <laughs> Whatever you install, concrete. There's got to be a way to ensure that 
that is structural integrity as it's being mixed and as it's being installed, I think there has to be that opportunity that can be taken advantage of. So I do want to make sure to give you the opportunity to talk about KeepSight, the document management system you're getting involved with. In November, I'm joining a company called KeepSight. It's KeepSight.com and it's it's S-I-T-E. It's a portfolio management tool specifically for construction. So what we discovered, the construction is really good at concentrating wholly on the project and we bring this team together and everyone learns how to work with one another by the end of it and then we finish the project and we all go, Whew, and then we all go, <laughs> and we all go and work on another project. But actually, as an industry, and I'm sure that there'll be a high percentage of construction professionals listening to this, all we do is projects, but we don't ever look at the whole portfolio of the projects that we've got on currently and what's coming up in any particularly meaningful way. So the way KeepSight works is everything starts at project level. So you'll have a project risk register, for example, or a project documents will be ticken over and that will translate into a an activity sort of digest, if you like, of things that are happening on that project and, and actions that are required on that project. And all of that information can come in. But within KeepSight, you can, can aggregate that data. So it's a networked system. So you can take all of your risk management for all of your separate projects. And if you're a university, for example, with a capital plan, they might have at any one time 10 projects of varying sizes on site. And they can look at all the individual risk registers for all of those and sort of understand them. But it's really difficult for them to pull it all together and look at the overall risk across their portfolio at a snapshot in time. And KeepSight will help them do that for risk and for for issues and, and for lessons learned. Because that's the other thing we're very bad at in the construction industry. We carry out a project and we learn all this really good stuff and we learn some bad stuff too. We learn things about different organisations that perhaps we would like to change for the next project, but we don't capture any of it, or we certainly don't capture it very well, and it becomes like this sort of gut feel of, oh yeah, we don't want to do that again, or we want to do this again, and and actually, even before we spoke, like that example that you used about the municipalities, they had this one issue, and then their knee-jerk reaction is to make that a requirement on more projects going forward. Well, that's just intuitive, right? That's not a strategic decision that they're making necessarily. So KeepSight would help capture those lessons learned. If that same thing kept coming up, then they might think, actually, do you know what? Five times out of 10, this is a problem. But if one time out of 100, it's a problem, that probably doesn't warrant changing it for everything moving forward. So it'll help you capture that stuff, yeah. We're actively partnering with the UN at the moment, and we're trying to get in with some some universities in the UK as well at the moment. So yeah, it's exciting times and that first nut is the productivity, really, if we can increase the productivity for the construction industry. Is this supported by the blockchain then? We will be implementing blockchain technology behind some aspects of the tool. So, say, for example, the contract administration tool, we'll be looking at that quite closely. And we think there's a really good application there to store on the blockchain decisions made around instructions that are being made for change management in the first instance. There's also a pretty good use case quite a difficult one to implement but blockchain is really good for verification of data and identity so for a regulated industry like construction where someone might have to self-certify their work for example so an electrician might say it might have a qualification to do a self-certification you need to know that electrician in fact does have that qualification to be able to do that it requires them to provide proof of that but to do it on the blockchain it requires connecting in with the 
authoritative body that provided that authority to them to self-certify. So it requires connecting into their systems. There's also a scheme here called the CSIS card, which all site operatives are required to have. So at the moment, KeepSight allows people their own individual profiles and they can upload scans of these documents. But obviously that's only as good as is trusting that what you're looking at isn't a forgery. So one area we'd be sort of trying to plug into as well is seeing if we can interest some of these organisations to connect into their databases and store on the blockchain that the people that clients are employing are in fact who they say they are. That'll be a great application of the blockchain to what's already being tracked through KeepSight. So what do you think the, the top things are for owners to do in order to start adopting the right mindset to adapt blockchain? The way forward is more transparency. It's not going to be any more sort of work for them. It'll just help them a more in-depth understanding of what's going on on their projects. And I think, again, that, that relates to BIM and educating clients on the benefits of BIM. And if you just use that example of precision of the materials and plant that's going to be required on their projects, I think that's a big step forward. And I think that transparency can totally be provided by the blockchain. What do you recommend the listener do right now? Are, are there any people, I mean, I know you mentioned a couple already throughout their interview, but is there any particular resource that you think the listener should be paying attention to? It's a, a TED talk by Bettina Wahlberg from a company called Animal Ventures. And that's the first thing that I watched that really made me understand that blockchain was more than cryptocurrency, that it could record these transactions, this, this transfer of value. And then they also do a, a Udemy course, which costs 10 bucks, like nothing. Pretty good introduction to the blockchain. That's how, sort of how you found me, I guess, with that Medium article. I wrote that because at the end of their course, they basically say, okay, your only assignment from this course is a writer thought leadership piece on how you think blockchain might impact your industry. And since doing that and writing that, that article, that's generated a fair bit of interest from people and it's led to a lot of pretty exciting opportunities. For me, that's where I would start if I were any of your listeners that were interested in, in learning more. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Thank you for that. What's the best way for people to contact you or reach out to you if they want to talk with you more? So my email is dave at hanger.co, H-A-N-G-A.co. Contact me if you've got any questions. I'll see what I can do to answer them. Yeah, and then obviously LinkedIn and Twitter. All right. Awesome. This was an awesome chat. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out and just the interest level as well. Really appreciate you doing this. No problem. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave. It was definitely a pleasure to speak with. Let me know if you enjoyed our discussion by connecting with me at Twitter and Brittany underscore ct or find me on linkedin or you can just email me too at brittanyconstructor.com again email is b-r-i-t-t-a-n-i-e at construct double r.com i mentioned last week that i would be at the lean construction institute congress this week and i'm here right now in anaheim california if you're here connect with me on linkedin twitter the conference app, whatever. So we will continue our series about blockchain and construction next week. Jordan Williams, the Chief Technology Officer at IntelliWave Technologies, will be speaking with us about SiteSense. SiteSense is a platform that uses blockchain and Internet of Things to simplify construction material traceability and produce quality documentation. One of the most memorable points I resonated with personally is that the amount of phone calls to track down status, location, any information regarding materials 
was significantly reduced. And it was reduced simply because all the information was stored on the blockchain and readily available. Cool stuff and less headaches really for everyone. So listen out for our talk next episode in the blockchain and construction series. Don't forget to subscribe at constructor.com to get email updates from me. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so at iTunes and Stitcher and now also Google Play. So I'm working also to, to get on to other platforms for your listening convenience. So listen out for those updates. Please leave a review to show your support and let me know you're enjoying the podcast. I look forward to talking with you guys next week.